leaving La Cafe after lunch, Twilight Knowles, the lovely 18-year-old banking heiress in Sao Paulo, Brazil, took a walk and vanished. Before her disappearance, Twilight lived in the snazzy Neptune Club with her mama, little brother, and nanny, standing 30 stories tall in homage to new international style the Neptune Club was one of Sao Paulo's premier luxury condominiums. The inhabitants were so precious, so coddled, so wealthy, the building was surrounded 24 hours a day by an army of private security guards, some stationed in gun towers with automatic weapons. Even the doormen packed. Each floor came with three security guards wrapped in bulletproof jackets. Every 15 minutes, the underground parking lot was swept by dogs, specially trained to sniff out deadly explosives. The dogs hit pay dirt at least four times a day. Bomb experts were a phone call away. But that's life in modern Sao Paulo. Killers, drug lords, and kidnappers were everywhere. Shootings and beheadings were as common in Sao Paulo as aphids were in the cornfields of Idaho. Opening the window and shooing away two pesky tenazers, Florida de Silva stopped in her tracks. Florida was the well-preserved 68-year-old maid who worked for the Wells, one of Sao Paulo's most admired families. Dr. Wells was a successful cosmetic surgeon. In the sprawling living room, reclining on a chintz-covered daybed, wearing a set of unnecessary dental braces, which were status symbols in Brazil, was Contessa Wells, Dr. Wells' enchanting, if pleasingly plump, 20-year-old daughter. Unfortunately, built like a refrigerator, Contessa dressed not for the body she had, but the body she wished she had. It didn't help that none of her friends would confront her about this. But when it comes to clothes and other things, that's how some wealthy people are. Not everyone is a realist. Beside her, wearing nothing but jeans so tight they appeared sprayed on, was Felix Carlo, Contessa's young, incredibly beautiful 18-year-old boyfriend. For his part, the six-foot-tall Felix Carlo was so winsome, so cut, they crowned him Mr. Global in the Mr. Global Beauty pageant three years in a row. It didn't hurt that Felix was genetically gifted in every way you could want. To top it off, his lithe body, which he took every opportunity to display in various stages of shamelessness, glistened like a Sunday morning snowfall in Vermont. Given these advantages, Felix was blessed with unparalleled opportunity. Unless it was a result of his own insatiable desire, Felix waltzed through life without friction. His daddy, a prominent real estate magnate, his mama, a Brazilian entertainer, proved not all was perfect in Felix Carlo's world. When he was 10, a gunman stepped out of the shadows and ended his mama's life. His mama, legendary thrush Amy Camu, who claimed to be part Inca, was a popular singer both at home and abroad. Her killer remained on the lam. In Brazil, where tragedy is common, each moment is savored. After fluffing the pillows and straightening the magazines, Florida surveyed the grand room. She dabbed her lips with a little gloss and smiled at Contessa and Felix. Contessa loved Florida as though she were her mother, but Florida was much more than that. Much more, as we will see.
For all the privilege and luxury her world allowed, there was a fly in Contessa's ointment. Last week, her father, Dr. Martin Wells, was sued for a million dollars. Here's what happened. 88-year-old Barry Kaplan, one of Brazil's top divorce lawyers, turned to Dr. Wells to refresh his lips, eyelids, and chin. After having the procedure done and looking in the mirror, Kaplan was one unhappy rabbit. Given his age, perhaps Kaplan's expectations were too high. He was, after all, 88, and no regime of juice fasts, raw food diets, personal trainers, and trips to the cosmetic surgeon could hide his inevitable decline. In his mind, Barry Kaplan was still a 22-year-old soldier of love, but now, at 88, he was a pumpkin long past its peak. Despite his age, Kaplan never lost a case because he was vicious. Poor Dr. Wells. When you looked at his odds and tossed in Brazil's rigged justice system, things looked bad. Barry Kaplan said, I'll crush the bedazzle out of Dr. Wells for what he did to my face. He ruined my beauty, I tell you. He ruined me. Fearing the worst, Contessa wanted her and Felix to fly to Miami to elope as soon as possible. Neely Cairo met Lola Hemingway at the Association for Research and Enlightenment at Virginia Beach years ago. Following the ideas of sleeping clairvoyant Edgar Cayce, the center was a beehive of ectoplasmic activity for the new generation of tarot card readers, trance mediums, and soothsayers. Rather than speaking to Lola, however, Neely spoke to Lola's 18-year-old daughter, Penny. The girl was having a hysterical fit. Oh, Neely, thank goodness I reached you. A friend of mine, Twilight Knowles, is gone. There was no ransom note, no demand for money. The police in Sao Paulo are useless. Everything is corrupt. Everyone is worried. Who is next? Who is next? Neely took down the details and promised she would send her team to Sao Paulo. Have your mama call me, Penny. I'll need her help. Putting down the phone and looking out the window at Central Park, Neely thought, if it's not for ransom money, what on earth is this about? Thumbing through her day timer, Neely hoped the engine on her family-owned 1939 seaplane was replaced. If it passed muster, the sea otter, piloted by her extraordinary son Buster Lee, would take a journey to Brazil tomorrow. The Mysterious World of Buster Lee, presented by Adam Ive. There is nothing as inspirational as seeing the sunrise at Butler Airfield and Seaplane Ramp in Long Island. As Buster Lee, Lars LaGuardia, and Super Pooch Beck, the Blue Heeler, zipped on their Italian scooters to the airport, they hoped the engine refit was just what the Sea Otter needed for many more years of trustworthy service. 
ordinary Brazilians only experienced a handful of the social transformations that swept North America in the late 1960s. But among Brazil's ruling class, nothing changed. What worked for your great-grandparents worked for you. If you came from money, you lived in a bubble, frozen in time. They expected girls to remain chaste until marriage, and boys, coddled by their mamas, lived at home until married or died. To lift the curtain on the secretive world of Brazilian high society, to infiltrate the coterie of wealthy girls of whom Twilight Knowles, Polly Hemingway, and Contessa Wells were key players, Buster Lee and Lars went undercover, dressed as young female debutantes, on a shoe shopping expedition in Sao Paulo. Having studied kabuki growing up in Japan, Lars Ogardia was familiar with wigs, lady shoes, perfumes, and makeup. After landing at Sao Paulo Seaplane Airport and checking in at Hotel Lugosi, Buster Lee became Betty and Lars Lagardia became Lisa. As their skin was smooth and silky, they made convincing Debs. Despite being warm out, Buster Lee and Lars, dressed as Betty and Lisa, wore ski coats, snow boots, mitts, and scarves. For cosmopolitan girls in Brazil, Wearing winter clothes on days with moderate temperatures was a signature of wealth and status. With a staff of Vietnamese immigrants, Cosmo's Emporium of Nails was the best nail place in Sao Paulo. Checking their makeup one more time, Betty and Lisa strode into Cosmo's Emporium of Nails. Having climbed out of the absurd winter clothing and sitting at reception, Buster Lee and Lars, as Betty and Lisa, introduced themselves to Penny Hemingway. After talking about hair, boys, and fashion for two minutes, Penny knew Lisa and Betty were her kind of people. From the way they comported themselves, the hair, the lip gloss that shimmered just so, the perfume imported from Turkey, the choice of jewelry, and the Italian-made shoes, class and luxury percolated from them. Wanting to expand her circle of gal pals, Penny Hemingway invited Betty and Lisa to the tea party at Condessa Wells' place later that day. She wondered if Betty and Lisa were interested in psychics. Most Brazilians are. Say what you will about the upper class of Sao Paulo. They were as friendly as they were shallow. After the nail appointment at Cosmos, and before the tea party at Contessa's, Penny had a date with Madame Chang Shen, Sao Paulo's top psychic. After exploratory cosmetic surgery, Brazilians love fortune tellers. That said, Penny invited Betty and Lisa along for the reading at Madame Chang's. A frail Chinese man with a hunched back and wireframe glasses in a crumpled black loose-fitting jacket with a mandarin collar and knot buttons opened the 12-foot-high wood-carved doors, letting Lars as Lisa, Buster Lee as Betty, and Penny as Penny into the large, dimly-lit apartment. The air was scented by cones of sandalwood burning in metal boxes placed here and there. At the end of the lacquered room, another servant, this one in a rice hat, patted the gong, which had been lathed to a shiny bronze finish 300 years ago. A traditional Chinese cabinet with four doors decorated on two sides 
with beautiful inlaid stones and jade in relief, caught Buster Lee's eye, as did the wooden jewel case on the table and the low-back rosewood armchairs on the side. Madame Chang's apartment was not what Buster Lee or Lars expected to find in sassy modern Sao Paulo, Brazil. The windows were hidden. There was no sight of the world outside. It should have felt claustrophobic, noted Buster Lee, but it did not. The gong was sounded again, and Madame Chang appeared. Seeing Buster Lee admiring the chair, Chang said, they are from the Lyo dynasty and have been in my family for thousands of years. Madame Chang turned to face Penny. Hello, Penny. Are these your friends from Rio? Extending her bony hand to Buster Lee, Chang said, I am Madame Chang. Looking at Penny, she said, are Contessa Wells and Felix coming? Not today, Madame Chang. Cutting to the chase, Penny Hemingway said, Madame Chang, my friend Twilight Knowles disappeared. The police are scouring the river for her body. Who is next? We fear for our lives. Madame Chang picked up a small Chinese lantern and slowly swung it side to side, back and forth, and side to side, and back and forth again. Focus on Madame Chang's lamp of Wu, the Eastern mystic said. Watch it swing. Swing, O lamp of ancient ancestors, long gone, but not forgotten. The lights went off. The girls held hands. Something odd happened. A lid, the shape of an eye on the front of the lantern, snapped open, and a beam of light shone, projecting eerie shadows on the wall. A quiet voice, Madame Chang narrated. I see a tall man and a young woman. They cleave to each other. Now I see an older woman holding a weapon, a gun, a dagger, maybe a club. Whoever she is, she is an unreliable narrator of life. She lies and she's filled with wanton urges she cannot escape. This woman is drawn to the boy like water to the moon, but now, now the images grow faint. The beam of light projecting on the wall flickered twice. The eyelid closed. Madame Chang said, before you leave, the Oracle has something else he wishes to share. He says, the only thing more dangerous than a woman who hates you is a woman who loves you. Now I must lie down, I must rest. These readings sap the chi from Madame Chang. I must eat, then sleep. Leave your money on the way out. You go now. Go, and beware. Beware of the big green dragon that sits on your doorstop. He eats little boys, puppy dog tails, and big fat snails. Beware. Her eyelids snapped shut. Madame Chang floated down the corridor and vanished like a raven in the dark. Penny stuffed Madame Chang's feet into the manservant's gloved hand on the way out, and the girls hightailed by cab to Contessa's place for tea and scones. Who knows what they would learn at that tea? Florida da Silva greeted Penny, Lisa, and Betty and gathered their winter clothes. 
Penny introduced Betty and Lisa to Contessa Wells and her boyfriend, Felix. They filed into the living room. Decorated with oriental rugs, Dutch paintings, and one-of-a-kind this and one-of-a-kind that, they topped the grand room off with five faux Louis XIV chandeliers and a concert piano made in Cancun. Contessa turned and says, Florida, make us coffee. As Florida ambled to the kitchen, she looked at Felix for a nanosecond and squinted her eyes. Once Florida was outside the range of hearing, Contessa Wells said, Florida has been with our family since I don't know when, but recently she's become surly. You'd think she was in charge of everything. I'm trying to talk my father into casting her adrift. Seven feet away, with one end of a drinking glass pressed against the wall, and the other end of the glass pressed to her ear, Florida spied on the conversation. During the two-hour tea, Buster Lee could not stop looking at Felix. He knew it was crazy, but Felix's skin was so flawless and perfect, it looked synthetic. The four girls discussed clothes, the newest restaurants, Contessa's marriage plans to Felix, the latest yachts to arrive from Arabia, who was dating who, and the lawsuit which hovered like a dark cloud over Wells' family. Throughout the social, Felix said not a word. He sat alone in a corner, looking dumb but beautiful. At one point, without asking for it, Florida brought him a navy blazer which, still shirtless, Felix slipped on. When the palaver, excuse me, the small talk ended, Contessa said to Lisa and Betty, Remember, what I said about the lawsuit between Barry Kaplan and my father is a secret. On the way out, the phone rang for Contessa, and while occupied, blew a kiss to Penny and her two new friends. Florida De Silva and Felix walked the girls to the elevator and wished them a nice evening. The hallway was dark and cool, and now alone, Felix and Florida wanted to embrace, but dared not for fear of being caught. Riding in a taxi back to Hotel Lagasse, Buster Lee was looking to get out of the woman's clothes and taking Beck for a walk. Looking out of the window of the cab, he said, So Contessa's family is going to lose everything. That's why she's pushing to marry now. She's scared Barry Kaplan will win. With Felix still wearing the blazer, napping on the Chesterfield, Contessa called Penny, but no one answered, not even the answering service company. I wonder why she doesn't pick up. If you lived in Sao Paulo, the sound of gunshots and smell of gunpowder are so common you don't notice them. Someone heard they summoned the Sao Paulo police to Brooklyn, an enclave of the wealthy. In the taxi on the way to Hotel Lagasse, Buster Lee and Lars heard the news. Beautiful heiress Contessa Wells found dead. Repeat, Brazilian honey Contessa Wells dead. Details coming. President to speak to country on TV tonight. Hearing the news, Buster Lee said, Driver, turn this car around. Go back to the address where we started. 
the lobby of the Neptune Club was a whirlwind of police, undercover detectives, TV cameras, reporters, curiosity seekers, geeks, pickpockets looking for quick cash harvested in the chaos, and who knows who else. Handsome detective Julio Goodwin was no stranger to violence. At 55, married twice with 11 children, having served on the force since 16, Detective Goodwin had seen his share of trouble. Brooklyn was his beat, the last before retirement. When notice came over the radio that debutante Contessa Wells was felled, senior detective Julio Goodwin was called. In the Wells' luxury apartment, the scene of the Contessa's murder, Felix, shirtless again, sobbed on the sofa. In the kitchen, Florida De Silva, the maid, brewed another large pot of coffee and ordered trays of sandwiches and fresh empanadas for the army of investigators and reporters working the case. Weeping, Penny Hemingway looked at a framed photograph of Contessa and shook her head. Farthest from the tragedy, Detective Julio Goodwin poked behind the curtains and under the furniture with a pen. A photographer took pictures. Dressed as Betty and Lisa, Buster Lee and Lars beat a path to the scene. Seeing the two ladies, Detective Goodwin said, Who are you? Ripping his wig off, Buster Lee said, I'm Buster Lee, and this is my associate, Lars LaGuardia. Ah, said Detective Julio. Buster Lee, the famous American investigative journalist. I've met your mother, Neely Cairo, at several crime conferences. Gazing at Detective Julio, Penny Hemingway said, I called them, Detective. All my friends are vanishing. First Twilight Knowles, now Contessa. Turning to Florida De Silva, Penny said, We could use another fresh pot of coffee, Florida. Go make some more. Standing behind Buster Lee, Lars removed his wig, reached into his purse, and removed a tissue to wipe away the lipstick. After Detective Julio gave the green light, Contessa Wells' remains were placed under a sheet and were taken downstairs to an ambulance for transportation downtown. Knowing Detective Julio's outstanding reputation, Buster Lee said, What happened here, Detective Goodwin? Flipping through his notebook, Goodwin said, In another world, Contessa could have been a suspect. Pointing to Felix, Detective Julio said, Felix is a suspect because he knew Contessa's family was about to lose everything and may not have wanted to be her meal ticket. Twilight Knowles' disappearance was a setup. She was working with us. She's alive and is living under the witness protection program in Miami at the moment. Before Buster could ask the next question, the sky ripped open and a lightning storm of biblical proportions hit Sao Paulo. Amidst the chaos of the storm, Sao Paulo was choked with a power outage. In the dark of Contessa's apartment, a voice screamed, Felix is trying to escape! Felix is trying to escape! A fight ensued. power came on again, no one could believe what they saw, least of all Buster Lee. There was debris everywhere. 
Florida was holding a candlestick to Penny Hemingway's neck as though it were a dagger. Penny pushed it away and Florida threw the candle to the floor. Felix scrambled to grab Detective Julio's pistol, but Lars Lagardia grabbed it first. Eyebrows furrowed, Detective Goodwin rubbed his wrists and said, During the rumble in the dark, someone tried to take my gun, Buster Lee. Because Brazilian society is complicated, Brazilian crime is complicated. So complicated, in fact, Detective Goodwin asked Buster Lee for his theory. As cool as a cucumber, still wearing a girl's outfit, Buster Lee sipped his cream soda and said, When Contessa knew her family was about to lose their fortune, she wanted to marry Felix as soon as possible. Felix, being a typical Brazilian male, was hardwired to play the field. Rather than risk everything, Contessa swore she would remove anyone she saw as competition. She made a series of tough anonymous threats at Twilight Knowles. Contessa was so desperate she would have removed all the hens in her house. Looking at Penny, Buster Lee said, Contessa would have got you too, Penny. Who killed Contessa? said Detective Goodwin. Dropping to his knees, young man pageant winner Felix said, I shot Contessa. I knew about her family's financial fate and didn't want to marry her. Stop it, Felix, said Florida De Silva, the 68-year-old housekeeper. He didn't shoot Contessa Wells, Buster Lee. I did, because I loved Felix and I didn't want to lose him to her. Now I've lost everything, and I have no one to blame but myself. Denouement. Flying over the tiny island nation of Bermuda on their way back to New York, Lars, looking out the co-pilot's window, said, In the end, the maid done did it. Yep, said Buster Lee. Of course, how a deplorable like Florida da Silva, who was like 68, snagged a jumping bean like Felix Carlo is beyond me. But, at the risk of sounding like someone who deals in psychobabble, couldn't Florida da Silva have been a stand-in for Felix's real-life mother, the murdered Inca beauty, Amy Camus? I mean, you saw the Hitchcock movie, right? Didn't he say, a boy's best friend is his mother? Leaning forward, Buster Lee said, We need to stop for fuel, Lars. But as we were talking about the human journey, they say, It matters not who you love, where you love, why you love, when you love, or how you love. It matters only that you love. Can you grab me another cream soda? You've been listening to The Mysterious World of Buster Lee, presented by Adam Ive. Mystery World theme by Oliver Wickham. Follow us on Instagram. Go ampersand pod underscore planet. For show notes and merch, go to podplanet.org. Special thanks to Tattoo Sound and Music. The Mysterious World of Buster Lee is written and produced by podplanet.org. 